Well, if you've got a Bible, leave it open to Luke uh, chapter 23. And uh, there's also in your bulletins there on the seats around you, there's a little outline that might be helpful. You might want to scribble some things down uh, as we look in this um, this particular part of um, Luke's gospel. We're going to focus there. How about I pray for us and uh, ask God to help us as we think more about and we give thanks for Jesus death on the cross for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together today. Uh, We thank you for this day that we celebrate and we give thanks for this Good Friday, the day when you made us, Lord Jesus, right with God. And Lord, we pray as we look at your word now, help us to focus, help us to concentrate, help us to um, me to be clear. And we pray, Lord, that we'll get to know you better with a greater sense of awe and a greater sense of thankfulness for what we read and what we hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, look, I'm wondering, can you, right now, just in your head, definitively, can you uh, name an event in world history that matters more, that is more significant, that is more important, more powerful than any other? Think about it for the moment. Maybe you're thinking of a World Cup win in rugby. That's what I'm thinking about. 91, 99 Wallabies. I don't know. Anyway, invention of electricity. How's that? There's one, surely. Reformation, European Reformation, Martin Luther, all that type of thing that went on. World War I, end of World War II. These are significant occasions, aren't they, in world history. Mozart, if you're a musical lover, yes. Uh, the Berlin Wall coming down, 89. Climbing of Mount Everest, 9-11. Most significant, more significant, more important, more powerful than any other. Uh, or maybe it is simply this the cross of Jesus Christ. See, that's the claim of Christianity. That's the claim of the Bible, uh, that the death of Jesus, the day that Jesus died, that ugly, violent, brutal, bloody execution of this guy, Jesus from Nazareth, was the most important, was the most significant day in world history. The cross of Christ, you see, is not just a symbol of Christianity. Uh, The Bible says the death of Jesus, which the cross represents, is the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of God, in fact. Indeed, it's the heart of life. It is the the offence, the comfort, the power of Christianity. So why is it so significant then? It's an event, you see, that if you've been touched by it, or if you know someone who's touched by it and know what it's really about, you see, like no other event in the history of the world, the death of Jesus changes that person's life. It changed my life. It can change your life. And for many in this room, it has. See, life in the world is now seen in this new and marvellous light. No other event in the history of the world comes close. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to spend a bit of time getting to know Jesus more. Uh, perhaps, well, perhaps for the first time. Uh, perhaps you've been brought along by a friend, maybe even kicking and screaming. I don't know. But today, we're going to see, we're going to get to know God through Jesus. We're going to grow in our knowledge and love of God. And then if, as we do that, see, one event is the, the one event we must keep hold of. We must keep coming back to over and over again, and that is, of course, uh, the cross of Jesus Christ. So 
So what we're going to do, you can see in your outline there, there's four scenes I've given you. Four scenes from the day that Jesus has died. And they focus especially on the words of Jesus uh, spoke during those scenes. And they're played out in front, in front of crowds of mockers and mourners and anyone else who cared to show up. And what we'll see, we'll see four truths. This is where you might want to scribble some things down. Four truths about you and me. Four truths about life. Four truths about God. And, of course, four truths about Jesus. So let's get to it. Here's scene one. Scene one, the way to the, the place of the skull. Uh, Matthew, and Luke, uh, sorry, Matthew and Mark uh, call this place Golgotha. Uh, it even sounds ugly and terrible. Up on a hill outside of Jerusalem. So the way to the place of the skull and talk about judgment. Well, physically now, unable to carry his own cross due to what Jesus had gone through just in the last sort of 24-odd hours, the beatings and the whippings and so on, the horror had, of what had gone before. Uh, and usually, uh, usually uh, um, the, the prisoner had to carry their own cross. But on this occasion, this man from the country, good country bloke called Simon of Cyrene, was forced to help Jesus. Uh, literally pulled out from the crowd as people would come in and it was the Passover time, so there were people around everywhere. Now, we read later on in Romans uh, that Simon's family actually became believers. I, I, don't you wish you would have known and connected the dots and how this sort of happened? But they became believers. It seems after witnessing the event, Simon went back to his family and said, you never know, you never, know, never guess what I've seen. Uh, they were touched by the death of Jesus and turned to follow him. So there's this great multitude of people following along. Now, many of them were women, and they were mourning and wailing. It was no doubt a noisy and chaotic scene. These women were crucifixion groupies. Now, that, uh, they went to crucifixions to weep and to wail. It's not that they didn't care. Don't, don't have that picture in your mind. No, no, they did care. They went to comfort uh, those who were dying. They, they went to comfort their families. They went to, to mourn for them. Now Jesus turns to these women and have a look what he says in verse 28. I've got some of it up on the screen for you. He says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And these women say, hang on, we're not the ones getting crucified. You're the one getting crucified. We're weeping for you. Now, Jesus says, no, no, terrible times are coming that are far worse than this. Verse 29, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. See, in the Old Testament, in Judaism, children are spoken of as a blessing. In fact, if you're here uh, last two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we, um, we looked at Psalm 127 as we had a baptism. And uh, Psalm 127 says, blessed is the man who has a full quiver of them. A full quiver of children. It's quite a blessing. Have children. Obviously women as well. Uh, but here Jesus says such trouble is coming, terrible times are coming, that it will be regarded as a blessing not to have children. Now Jesus uses the words from Hosea 10. You can look it up later if you like. When the prophet speaks of the coming judgment on Israel because of their unfaithfulness to God, people will cry out for death to escape the coming wrath. They would rather have the mountains fall on them and then, and then face the reality of God's judgment. 
So look at verse 30 with me. Then they will begin to say to the, to the mountains, fall on us, fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? See, Jesus says to these women, when it comes to God's judgment, if God does not spare the innocent Jesus, who's like green wood in fire, doesn't burn up, there's that analogy, that metaphor of fire and judgment. The Bible often goes there. Jesus often goes there. Then what will happen to guilty people? The dry wood, which does burn up. That is, they'll face the judgment of God and, and it'll be terrible. So Jesus, on his way to his death, says this. He says, see what is about to happen and think of the reality of God's judgment. And turn to him. Turn to him. He is your only hope. That's what Jesus says. See, Jesus is not some good teacher. Hey, he's a good teacher. But he's not just a good teacher, is he? He's not just another example of self-sacrifice that we wheel out a few times a year. Or some sad human tragedy. Something much, much bigger is going on in this moment than just those things. Of great I'd say, cosmic significance. Put it that way. Jesus, on his way to his death... He speaks to the people, he speaks to us of the reality of something that we must all face. Jesus talks about the judgment of God on the way to his death. Now, why does he do that? Why does he do that there? It's because of where he's going and because of the hope we have in Jesus that that judgment, there's a way out from that judgment judgment of God. There's a way out to be saved from God's anger at our sin and that's where Jesus is going he's going to the cross that's why Romans 8 5 8 says but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we're still sinners Christ died for us that's why Jesus is going to the cross because he's providing a way out for us and our sin and the anger God has on us because of our sin our rejection of him so our next scene scene two scoffers and mockers And words of forgiveness at the place of the skull. So they reach their destination. Up on a hill, a few kilometres just outside of Jerusalem. People coming to watch, people around. There's two other criminals join Jesus to be crucified. There's one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus, as Isaiah prophesied, is numbered with the transgressors. There he is. Jesus with the criminals. Even that's an incredible thing. The innocent Jesus. And as they drove the nails in both his wrists and his ankles, and they did that because on, the, on crucifixions, the way you keep alive is you lift your body up to breathe. And it has to be a strong anchor so you can do that. You see, you don't, you don't die from, on a cross, you don't really die from blood loss so much, although Jesus is a different case there, we, we read. But we die from, they die from asphyxiation. They can't lift their body up any further. So it has to be a strong point, wrists and ankles. And at that moment, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. You see, who would dare to do what they were doing if they had any idea of who they were doing it to? You see, who would dare to do that if they knew what the, who they were doing it to? So Jesus forgives them. See, at the forefront of Jesus' mind in such horrific circumstances is forgiveness. Well, they cast lots. They place bets, basically, who can take what, what bit of clothing. And a sign is placed above Jesus' head. It says, this is the king of the Jews. Now, usually, such a sign simply states the crime the person has committed. So that's what it would normally be. And so you see what the Romans are doing here. 
They're making a statement, aren't they? It's quite a statement. Here's your king. This is the other statement they're making too. Here's your king, crucified, beaten, humiliated, powerless. Powerless, that's what the Romans are saying to the Jews right now. Here's your king. They even put a crown of thorns on his head to, 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 to make a mockery of him even more. Now, some stand back and watch. Others mock him and scoff as someone weak and powerless, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. Of course, they, they miss the point, don't they? Jesus was not crucified so he could save himself. He's there so he could save others. That's the point. They miss it completely. He died to save sinners, just like these people. He came to, be served, came to serve, not to be served. You see, in his love, Jesus died as our substitute. He took our place. Should have been us there, taking the wrath of God. Instead, it was Jesus. His death enables our forgiveness, enables us to be right with God as he took the punishment for our rebellion against God and our sin. See, the anger of God, and it is, we've already, Jesus has already spoken about just that. The anger of God is actually absorbed in Jesus. He takes it on for us. He didn't want to save himself. He could have. He didn't want to do that because he loves us. He loves you and I. He wanted to save us. Ephesians 5.2 says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. There's that substitute as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, how about stage, uh, scene three. Scene three, conversion, the promise of life. See, one of the criminals hurling, uh, started hurling insults at Jesus. He said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But there was a criminal on the other side. Wish we knew their story, wish we knew their names. But they, they, uh, he rebuked this criminal and said, do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we are punished justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he looked at Jesus. He looked across at him. And he says, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Well, spoiler alert, Jesus hadn't forgotten. <laughs> but he said, remember me. Now, at this point, well, I think we can almost hear, can't we? We can hear the scoffs and laughter from around the cross. This guy talking about a kingdom. You're being crucified on a cross. That looks pretty funny. You're not, what kingdom? <laughs> Hardly looks like a very powerful and successful one at this point, does it? But this man, acknowledging his sinfulness, do you see what he does? That's what he, he, he turns to Jesus and he knew that this man, Jesus, was no ordinary man and that through him was real and certain hope after death, something we all, of course, face. And through Jesus was a kingdom that gives life. This criminal discovered that only Jesus can give that promise. He discovered that this Jesus, this moment, was more important than anything else and so he says, remember me. Remember me. Jesus promises with the authority that only the Son of God has. In verse 43, he says, Truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
today. And maybe that's maybe maybe today's a day like that for you, where you say to Jesus, "Remember me," and you know what? Jesus has not forgotten you. Come to Jesus, just like that criminal, and say, "Remember me." And Jesus' answer. It's sure and true, and he doesn't forget his promises. He doesn't break his promises. He says, you'll be with me in paradise. That's what Jesus says. Scene four. This is an awesome scene. I think that's the right word for it. Wow. (laughs) Wow sort of scene. It's about midday, and darkness had come over the whole land until about three in the afternoon. Now, back in town, uh, just a few kilometres away, the temple curtain was torn in two, from top to bottom, complete, in other words. Top to bottom. This temple curtain was about this thick, by the way, and it represented separation from God, this temple curtain. Here's the Holy of Holies in the temple. Only the high priest can go there only once a year. But now the temple curtain is torn in two, it's like the way is opened up to God. Anyone can come to God. You don't need a mediator. You don't need anyone. You don't need a high priest or anything like that. Jesus is our high priest. He's our great high priest. That we can come to him and just pray to him and know him. Jesus makes that, opens that way up for us. Well, Jesus breathed his last. Well, Luke tells us that this, there's this centurion. Now, this centurion knew death when he saw it. His job was to look after the crucifixions. That's what he did. In fact, he did, if he, uh, Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, tells us that if the, these, uh, these centurions, if they got their job wrong, well, it was their life on the line. So they had to be careful. They had to make sure that the, this guy is getting crucified actually did get crucified and did die. So here he was, this crucifixion. He'd seen it all before, of course. But he notices something that many others previously on that day did not notice. And Luke records his words as he looked up to Jesus and he says, Surely this was a righteous man. Well, the crowds make their way home, uh, but not really entertained as some were hoping. What are they beating their breasts? Something today people in Middle Eastern cultures still do as a sign of mourning and and grief. They beat their breasts in sadness and hopelessness. Uh, Something had gone down here like no other. Uh, Maybe in the coming weeks and months, uh, as the gospel was preached, they would come to know what it all meant. Maybe they they end up being like Simon of Cyrene. I don't know. And uh, those who knew Jesus, they stayed around, but they stood at a distance and they watched. It's because they were scared. Fair enough. And finally, Jesus uttered his last words in verse 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, here in verse 46 is a reminder of who in fact it is who died on the cross. Who it is that by his death revealed to us the judgment of God. That was our first truth about life, about us, about God, about Jesus. That Jesus reveals to us the the anger of God in judgment. But then Jesus also demonstrates to us the love of God in forgiveness. That's our second truth that we've seen so far. And who it is that can promise life. That was our third truth. Only Jesus can promise life. Life in his kingdom that will never perish, spoil or fade. And finally, this verse reminds us again of who it is that died for us. It's the righteous 
faithful, obedient son of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There's our four truths. Judgment, forgiveness, promise of life. And here is the faithful, obedient son of the Father. Well, friends, um, I'd love you today to come to the cross. Are you, are you there? Is that a man, are you there? Perhaps it might be for the first time. Touched by, the, by, by Jesus, by the cross. It might be a case of return to the cross again and again. And not because it's Easter. <laughs> no, 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 just because of the event of the death of Jesus. The event of the death of Jesus makes known to us the love of God. The death of Jesus tells us of the seriousness of life. The death of Jesus tells us that the goodness of God our creator is not just some fairy tale or figment of our imagination or even wishful thinking, but it's how God has made himself known to us. In fact, we can only be right with God through the death of Jesus and trusting in him. God has left his mark in the pages of history like no other. And he's left his mark by saying this. He's left his mark by saying, I love you. What a mark. <laughs> what a mark God has left in the pages of history for us. Now, we know this for certain, of course. Well, we know this for certain because of what happened three days later. Jesus rose and gave us a certain hope. In Jesus' resurrection, we know that what Jesus did on the cross worked. It was successful. His plan, uh, we can trust him. And he gives us a certain hope, not a cross your fingers hope, a certain hope that never perish, spoil or fade. But more of that on Sunday. Um, in a moment, I'm going to play your song. Uh, it's one of my favourites. I can't remember if I've played it before here. I probably have. Anyway, so good we'll play it again, hey? I'm not going to put the words up or anything because the words are pretty clear. And I'd love it to be maybe just a prayer that you'll, um, you'll pray into your own heart. Uh, it's a song about the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's an invitation not, be, not to be afraid to come to him. There is a great deal of fear in our world today. Again, I'm going to talk more about it on Sunday. I hope you'll come along. Uh, but something we must not fear is the invitation of Jesus to come to him. I'm going to read some words out from Matthew 11 soon uh, as we celebrate communion together, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what Jesus says. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Put your trust in him. Uh, the song says, plunge in today. I love it. Plunge in. Uh, there's a lot of people who can relate to this because around the traps around Robbo here, if you're visiting, um, there's a lot of places to climb up, to climb up cliffs and jump in water. Um, plunge in today. A little while ago, um, uh, my family and I, we had a fantastic boat trip um, on this beautiful piece of water. Uh, perfect weather, great fun. And being, of course, the family that we are, as we boarded the boat, the first thing we do is look up. Now, where can we jump off? Around we went, ah, there's a good spot. And so as soon as the boat dropped anchor in this beautiful cave, uh, we gave each other the nod and we plunged in. And here's one of my favourite photos of my daughter and I. Um, that's Evie on the right. Um, <laughs> it's a great photo because of the fear in Evie's eyes. But she still did it. She still did it. Uh, so how old was she then? Probably about 10, 11, 12, I don't know. Um, <laughs> about that. 
Uh, it's a great photo, and we plunged in at a good height. So the, the funny thing was, about 50 or there was about 50 or so people on board, right? Um, it's quite full, bit of a touristy thing. But no one else joined in. No one else. No one else jumped with us, at least for about half an hour, 20 minutes maybe. It was just the Thomas family jumping in the water. Oh, Michelle didn't do it. Yeah. Well, you missed out. It was good. Um, you did have a swim, though. I've got the photos to prove that. Um, they were, I don't know. Maybe they were scared. I don't know. Maybe they were embarrassed. Um, we weren't making a lot of noise. Uh, maybe they were waiting for something better. But it wasn't going to come. This is it. This is the highlight of the trip. Friends, when it comes to the cross, when it comes to Jesus, don't hold back. Don't, don't wait for something better. You won't find it. And don't be afraid. Plunge in today because Jesus will lift your burdens. He'll give you rest. He'll forgive you. Plunge in. A word, a line from this song says, Come to this fountain so rich and so sweet. Cast your soul at your Saviour's feet. It says, There is no other who saves. There's no other who heals. There's no other who gives his own life so we might live. Why don't we listen to the song now? <laughs>